Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Revenue Rebels right here in SLMA Radio with our host, Roan Morgan, the CEO of Demand Lab, the sponsor of the program as well. So let's get started. Bring in those rebellious Revenue Rebels with Roan and her friends right now. Hey, Roan. Thank you, Paul, for the introduction. Welcome back to Revenue Rebels. I'm Roan Morgan, your host, and this program is sponsored by Demand Lab. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. The guest today is a rule-breaking marketing leader uh, who is joining us to discuss the four steps to accelerating company growth. Daryl Prail is the chief marketing officer at Vanilla Soft, which is a sales engagement platform that keeps your sales team busy and focused on engaging your leads and growing revenue. Daryl, you've been with VanillaSoft for a little over a year now. You've been working in high-tech marketing for over 25 years, spanning startups, consolidations, acquisitions, and IPOs. To get us started, can you share a little bit with us and the audience on your background and uh, how your career has progressed over that 25 years? I can absolutely do that, Rowan. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm really excited. Love your show. My story isn't as glamorous as you might think, although it is perhaps a little bit unique in terms of marketing because I'm not a marketing by education, right? I do not have a marketing degree and I applaud all those who do. I came at this the complete opposite way. I was a computer programmer for years and, uh, and as time progressed, I got more and more antsy staring at that screen. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was, it was a season for me, but then I'm like, you know, my goodness, get me out of here because I'm going to go nuts. And then I spent the next uh, few more years trying to figure out the game plan like any person in a career will try to do. How do I get from here to there? Because I've now figured out that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. For me, I was unique, but not that unique in the sense that I had a, a specialty and as far as technology goes. And everybody kept on wanting to pull me back into that uh, that field of high tech development because of my specialty and fine. And I couldn't get out of it. So what I finally ended up doing was I said, I'm going to go work for this software vendor whose technology I was a specialist in. And I picked up my lovely bride and we moved to new England from Canada. I became a sales engineer because when I went there, my specialty was no more special than any other employee because they all had the same specialties, but I was good as a sales engineer helping close enterprise deals because I knew the product so well. From sales engineer, that they, they were great. They recognized I had some skills. They moved me from uh, sales engineer to product management, from product management into product marketing. And then my wife and I decided we were going to have a, uh, a family. And I might say we decided, let's say nature decided for us. And <laughs> ultimately, we decided that we were going to have our kids back in Canada so off to go back to Canada, and I got my first marketing job at a software company, a small little company that very quickly over a couple of years became a very large company. And within a matter of years, I was running marketing for the sixth largest software company in the world at the time called Sybase. They were known at the time for their database products. Uh, today, they're SAP. Uh, so it just went boom, and my career took off, and, and life was grand. And then from there, it was just a matter of uh, multiple hops, as is like to happen in high tech. I went to a company called Cognos, where I ran product marketing globally. Cognos is the leader in business intelligence. It's now IBM, so another acquisition. From there, I went to a company called, what the time was, Webplan Supply Chain. Now they're called Canaxis IPO. 
Uh, we raised over $30 million there. <clears throat> did another supply chain company, raised another $20 million. Did a public safety company, sold the company for four times their earnings. Did an e-commerce company, took them public. And then the best part, I forgot one point, after we sold the public safety company, which today is Motorola, uh, I got fired. It's the classic, we're going to buy you because we mm-hmm. want you. And then the whole management gets fired. That was the first time I'd ever been let go in my life. So did the e-commerce company and so they went to them public. And then, and then it was simply a case of I got tired of doing it for everybody else. And, and I took time out and I spent about the next eight years or so having my own agency. So I was out there every day with all these wonderful companies. And then, and then Vanilla Soft came knocking and I told them, nope, go away. Don't want to talk to you. The recruiter was, let's just say, aggressive and relentless. I he, he wore me down, and over a year later, here I am, and it's been just a blast. Bit of a change to go back to working for somebody else again, but what I love about working for a company as opposed to as a contractor is I get it's like a to me it's a chess game. I get to move all the pieces on the board, not just one piece. So mm-hmm. as a as a marketer, you know you got lots of tools that are in your bag when you can have the chance to move them all together for an end goal. Man, that's fun. So that's my career in a nutshell. It was a long winded answer. I told you it wasn't that exciting. That's awesome. Well, persistence pays. So clearly, it paid off for both the recruiter and you, which is good news. It is um, true. And. You know, that trajectory, I think, is a really exciting path to take. I know other folks that work full time in sort of, you know, marketing, marketing that have come up through sort of engineer background and then into product marketing. That path, I think, gives a great perspective. But also what I like about your background is that you started, you know, you took the job as a sales engineer and the SE is a, I think, a really critical role of helping the sales uh, individual actually educate and uh, get their leads sort of primed to close ultimately. So it's an important role. Uh, a lot it's of a, it's impact. A huge role. But I think it's fantastic that that is sort of was your launching point into the marketing space too. That's pretty cool. Well, the funny so, part was even at a couple of those jobs, I ultimately, you know, I came on as a marketer. I ultimately was the VP of sales and marketing. So mm. I've had, I've had the good fortune slash misfortune of, of owning a quota and having the team as well as the marketing. So I do understand the whole revenue side for better, for worse, but my preference, my preference is marketing. Yeah. Well, there's an important connection between the two, obviously. And, uh, the more that we move forward and we look at the technologies that are out there, the more I think that connection becomes stronger. So Agreed. when you joined Vanilla Soft, what were some of the marketing challenges that the company was facing? I made a list, full disclosure to the audience. Roan had given me a heads up on some of the questions. So I actually sat down and I made a list. And I, when I looked at the list, I'm like, I can't share all this. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, you know, in the end, I, I'm going to share it because I don't think challenges that we face here as a marketer are technically much different than anybody else faces. But maybe you'll feel a little less alone. So here's my list. Uh, we had a really cool product. We were the oldest player in the space, but we were the least well-known. No one knew who we were. I would call us an engineering company, not a marketing mm-hmm. company. So fantastic product. The product had incredible differentiators, but nobody in the industry understood that those differentiators that we were so good at even mattered. We knew, our customers knew, but no one else knew. And if no one else knows, of course, no one else is talking about it. I got a lot of lacks, as we call. We had a lack of positioning relative to our industry. In other words, you know, what do you do? Today, we're a sales engagement provider. 
they'd never even heard of the term sales engagement mm-hmm. when I started. Uh, we had a lack of awareness of who our competitors were or what their go-to-market strategy was. So when I find at 30 days in, I went to the executive team and I said, hey, we're sales engagement. Hey, these are our competitors. They all kind of looked at me with blank faces and they said, sales what? And who are those people? They were just not aware because they were in their own bubble doing their own thing. They really didn't have an awareness of who their target personas were. They had no awareness of who their target markets were. They knew where they had traction. That's a difference. But they didn't know where they were going to be, you know, rock stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the industry, they had no thought leadership. They had no relationships with an- industry analysts. They had no relationships with influencers. They had no relationships with media. And the only time they appeared in the media was when it was a paid placement. They had no social media presence. And when I mean by presence, I mean we were doing the whole talk out of the megaphone. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. But there was no reciprocation. There was no engagement. There was no conversation. There was no banter. There was no nothing. It was just like, see us at this trade show. Mm-hmm. Look at our new report. There was no designated spokesperson, the CEO by default, but really there was no like, you do this and you do that. There was no defined roles. We mm-hmm. didn't know, again, like, okay, when it comes to analysts, you're the person. When it comes to whatever, you're the person. We had no investment capital. We had no A round, B round, C round because we had, get this, started with a small little friends and family round back in 2005, and we'd been making money ever since. We didn't need money. We had money in the bank. We had lots of money in the bank. But why is that a problem? Because no one knows who you are. When you raise a lot of money, your profile goes up dramatically, and you're the next best thing, and people want to try you out. If you don't raise that money, no one knows who you are. We had no guerrilla tactics going on. So there was, there were nothing bold about us. There was nothing audacious about us. There's nothing controversial about us. We were just like vanilla. Kind of like vanilla mm-hmm. soft. We had a lack of understanding of what marketing tactics worked for us and what didn't. We had a lack of champions. You know, those people in the industry, in the world who will go to the ends of the world to say that this product, this company is awesome. Listen to me. We did it. Just nobody out there doing it. No one had been groomed. We had a lack of understanding of where to spend our marketing budget. And we were spending it lots of places. And they were doing all the right things, but it wasn't concentrated. It wasn't optimal. So those were my lack of. To be fair to the organization and everything they had done, they did a lot of things right. So I inherited some good things, too. I had complete and utter permission to be bold and aggressive and to execute. I had lots of budget. Now, I was not short on budget. I had an incredible CEO who just got it, but was willing to let me do it. Mm. I had a fantastic alignment with my head of sales. I had really happy customers. I wasn't concerned about the company not being around next year. You know, we were healthy. We were viable. We were in a hot emerging category. I had lots to talk about. And because my target audience are sales and marketers themselves involved in the revenue process, me personally, it was so easy for me to relate to them, the pains and the challenges they're going through that it wasn't like I had to learn something complex like semiconductors or something else like that that I had no affinity to. So those were the challenges, and that's also what I had going for me. That's awesome. That is quite a list. And uh, at least, uh, you know, being able to talk to what I actually call my people certainly does make it uh, give you one step ahead, but that's probably the longest list that I've heard. Very comprehensive. And I think also incredibly exciting. That's the sort of thing that you can just wrap your arms around and start digging through and you know, you're going to make impact. Got lots of opportunity for 100%. that. Yeah. So you, that was the word opportunity. You nailed it. And that's how I viewed it. It wasn't a bad thing. It was an opportunity. Yeah. It was this exciting yeah. thing. Yeah. 
We need to take a quick break, just a minute to hear from our sponsors. And uh, when we get back, we're going to walk through how you went about sort of revamping marketing and uh, getting through this very long laundry list of everything um, you just listed out for us. We'll be right back to continue with Daryl on how he has accelerated company growth strategically through a marketing transformation. And just a quick reminder that uh, Demand Lab, the sponsor of this program, helps organizations like yours transform the revenue potential by connecting their greatest assets, which are people, processes, technology, and data. They do this through customized revenue ecosystem solutions by leveraging marketing data data technology, data science, governance and analytics, and content. Demand Lab helps B2B organizations like yours advance business goals and drive revenue. Sounds pretty simple. They certainly know how to do it, and you can too if you simply visit their website, demandlab.com. Learn more about Demand Lab solutions at demandlab.com and find out how you can transform your revenue potential as well. All right. While you're doing that, let's uh, pick up the second half of today's interview. Thanks, Paul. We've been speaking with Daryl Prail, who is the CMO at VanillaSoft, and we're walking through his process of accelerating company growth through marketing transformation. So, Daryl, you just went through a very long list of what we called exciting opportunities to make impact. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the process of revamping the marketing department. Like you alluded to it in the opening to the podcast, four steps. I broke it down into four steps. There's no way I can manage this. Over, over, otherwise, it overwhelms you. And in my mind, each step, I gave myself three months, and I had coordinated with the executive team, especially the CEO, that this was my plan. So, you know, ironically, and I had an interview process that said, what's your 90-day plan? My response was, I don't have one. I have a one-year plan. And it's simple. Four steps. Number one, triage. I'll go into that in a second. Number two, rinse and repeat. Number three, make some noise. Number four, grow. So that was it. So, so triage is just get your house in order, get your systems in order, get the baseline of all your metrics, get rid of all the technology you're not using, optimize your website, make sure your marketing automation choices are, are there and it's integrated with all the things you need to be able to integrate with. Make sure you've got your dashboard set up so you can communicate with your stakeholders what's going on so you can try and see what's happening. Triage, get your marketing ops in order. That was the first thing. And we did that for us. We ended up standardizing on HubSpot, going into VanillaSoft. For the data side, we use Zoom Info. We took it off the website and put it all in a Google Tag Manager, relaunched a new website to simply get that mm -hmm. stable. We do all of our project management and team management using DBHQ. We optimize all of our keywords using SEM Rush, and we do all of our video, whatnot, and our live streams using Vimeo and Wistia. For us, and whenever we look at tech, the first thing I always look at is, is can it integrate with HubSpot? I'm not advocating for HubSpot. You can use Marketo. You can use Pardot. For us, they already had it. It was adequate for our needs. What I picked from scratch, probably not, but it's done the job. I wasn't going to reinvent that piece. I was mm -hmm. just going to build on that as my foundation. So that was the first thing we did. That took just over three months. And that was just crazy, just getting, you know, the ability to have a common tracking codes, for example. You know, what are the definitions? And make sure we can always tie it back to Google Analytics so we know where what's converting and what's not. Tie it back to AdWords, all that stuff. That took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So that was triage. 
Rinse and repeat said, now that we've got our systems, now that we can measure everything, now we need to put in repeatable demand generation programs that are going to feed the pipeline, but we need to make them efficient and scalable and repeatable, hence rinse and repeat. For example, what we introduced with regularity was that the second Tuesday of every month was going to be a webinar on a product piece of functionality. And we can invite the whole world, but it's really des- it's targeted for our actual customers, but anybody can come. The fourth Tuesday was always going to be thought leadership piece, you know, about the industry, trends, whatever, something that's bold and aggressive, bringing in expert panelists, leveraging their brand, right? We always knew that two days after that fourth Tuesday, we would then launch our monthly newsletter. So the list went on and we had everything was scheduled to the day of the month. And we'd always work backwards. And Divi HQ gives us this ability to do this. It says we have a standard webinar promotion schedule, three emails, social media posts, tracking codes for every single panelist, rinse and repeat, just do it. So the team knew exactly what to do. We weren't faking it. We weren't trying to, we weren't dropping the ball. It was all there. It was formulaic. It was templated. And I could tell the rest of my company it was always the second Tuesday. It was always the fourth Tuesday. Whatever it might be, they knew. So everybody was trained and conditioned. Rinse and repeat. And by three months in, we had, you know, our first webinar, we had 40 people. By our third webinar, we had 180 people, right? And our some of our more recent uh, live streams, we've moved from webinars to live streams now, we're averaging almost over 1,000 people. It's just rinse and repeat. Do the campaigns. We know what to do. It feeds the pipeline. One of the things that I think can be a challenge for a new marketing leader that's coming in to to really transform an organization is an expectation from executive stakeholders that you're going to kind of skip all of this and head right into growth in the first quarter. Um, you're going to be, deals are going to be larger, sales are going to come in faster, there's going to be tons of new leads, and you've got a lot to get done, and they're, they're like, look, we don't have a year to get to growth. But what you've talked about here is critical. And and this is how we talk about it with our clients is you've got to kind of go through the steps to get to growth when you're, you know, depending on where you're at, like, we'll look at the maturity level, um, where you're at and what needs to be done in order to get to that growth phase. And it's going to be different. It's not always a year, but how did you talk with your executive leadership and sort of manage their expectations and get them on board with this process? So great question. And that is critical. So I did two things. First off, I coordinated nonstop, non-freaking stop, open mic, shall we say, with the CEO and with the VP of sales. Those are my two mm-hmm. closest allies. And they could also be the two people who are going to sewer me if I don't do it right and don't engage with them. Keeping them aligned is critical. And that means open dialogue. That means agreement on expectations. Like in my head of sales, I sat down and I said, how do you define a lead. You know, a marketing qualified lead means what to you. So let's get agreement. If I give you a marketing qualified lead, when will you follow up on that? Let's get a service mm-hmm. level agreement between you and I. If I don't give you that lead, you can bust my butt. If you don't follow up as we discuss, I can bust your butt. Do we agree with this? Yes, we agree with this because we're both trying to achieve the same thing. Right. Um, with the CEO and the head of sales, what I said was, listen, I'm going to do status quo. I'm not going to go shall we say, speak from the megaphone. I'm going to just, I'm going to sustain what you've been doing in my, you know, my first two steps, triage, rinse and repeat, but rinse and repeat will be 
into the point where we start to kind of crank up the volume. So really, the first three months, just forget I'm not here, okay, because I'm getting my house in order so I can get a baseline because going back to the CEO, what do you want to do? You want to measure me, right? You want to make sure that my salary is justified and the investment we're spending on programs is justified and it's getting an ROI. Well, we can't do that without a baseline. Do we agree? Yes, of course we agree. All right, so let me get my house in order and I'll communicate with you all on the way. And the funny part was I needed his sponsorship because for me to go integrate with all these other tools like VanillaSoft, I had to go and work with my own R&D team to customize our instance of VanillaSoft. That required sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So I had to do that. When it came to the campaign side, I managed expectations again. So a couple of things that were interesting. I said, listen, these first couple of campaigns are not meant to generate leads, quote unquote. They're meant to perfect the process, the template, so that we get that down pat. So then, you know, the second, third, fourth time we do these things, now we're generating leads. And I said, so, you know, if I get zero people showing up on my webinar, that's fine by me, that first one. And they look at you like you have three heads, and I'm saying, it's process. And they said, okay. And I said, but it will get better. And as long as you execute and you manage expectations, Right. They trust you. You're building trust every step of the way. So that was, that was huge for us. Ongoing communication. The other thing I had to do for us, for example, we had a really, we were really focused on one feature of our product. But when I talk, and that's what all of our AdWords spend was around, was really around this one feature. And when I talked to my head of sales, he goes, dude, that sucks. He goes, I get all these leads. I get tons of leads from the AdWords, but one in 10 might actually be valid. So what I ended up doing was I dramatically scaled back my spend around the AdWords around that one feature, which upset some people. And I went to my stakeholders again, and I said, the lead flow volume is going to drop. But if this goes to plan, because I'm going to diversify and go to other areas, we're actually going to get a higher close rate and a bigger deal size. Don't be confused by less volume. That's my prediction. And they said, okay. And then sure enough, you know, a few months later, you look back and go, yeah, our deal size has gone up dramatically. Mm-hmm. You know, our conversion rate's gone up dramatically. So even though our numbers and say free trials, for example, were down, our results were much, much better. But I had to communicate that. If you don't communicate that, well, you're and that's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah. And the only way to be able to communicate that growth would be to put in the processes, the systems that you did at that first stage of triage. So lots of communication, but then also really developing systems that enable baseline measurement and growth measurement. And without that, you're not going to have a lot of ground to stand on as you're moving forward and you're, they see the leads coming in slower and slower or fewer and fewer. Doing that rinse and repeat allowed my people to see where can we implement automated processes or build up templates that we can reuse. That allowed me to make our demand generation efforts very scalable because I knew in the coming quarters, I was going to throw more and more on my team. So if we didn't have the systems to automate as much as possible, mm-hmm. I can never scale my people. Yeah. Without systems and processes in place with, I, I think that the sales uh, partners that you're working with can understand that certainly and relate to that because they're dealing and working within a sales process. Marketing has been in the long past, certainly not in the last 10 years, but it, we're still growing much more on the creative side and the sort of a bit of a process, but also a bit of a black box. And now with technology and everything that we're trying to achieve with it, there is a a process that needs to be put in place. And I imagine that sales leaders and, and other stakeholders can appreciate 
putting a process in place as long as it's well communicated and expectations are managed. That's really interesting. The last two points, make some noise and grow. So make some noise was really all about communications. In other words, get out there, be bold, get on social, be contentious, pick a fight with a bad guy. I told my boss, I said, we have two roles. You, Mr. CEO, you're the professor. You're going to be the trusted advisor whom all the, you know, the financial folks love. You're the good cop. I'm the troublemaker. I'm the bad cop. I'm going to get out there and pick fights. I'm going to get noise. I'm going to get contentious. I'm going to be public about it. And I said, so what's going to happen here is, is that our competition is going to get riled up and they're going to talk about us and they're going to curse us. And I said, that's great. That's what I want. We need to be in the conversation. And then where necessary, you're going to walk behind me and clean up behind me. And he's like, okay, so I'm good cop. You're a bad cop. And I said, yeah, he goes, okay, I can do that. So we understood what we were doing. So make some noise. It was all about that. AR, analyst relations, PR, public relations. It was all about social. And it was about content, 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 content. Right. And then the last stage, grow. It's about, okay, now where can we expand? What other categories can we go into? What other verticals can we go into? What other events can we go to? And what other geographies can we go into? And that's where we're at. That's fantastic. That's really exciting. Unfortunately, we've actually reached our time. We're a bit over our time. And what I think we should be doing here, uh, Daryl, is planning on our next conversation together. So I've got a bunch more questions, tons of stuff that I think we could talk through on this. And I'd love to be able to invite you back uh, to chat with us in our next podcast. I love I, I'd love for you just to share a little bit with the listeners on how they could reach out to you. And please, if you can spell uh, all that, that great info, because <laughs> that name um, could be spelled in a few different ways. <laughs> it rhymes, doesn't it? I know. It, I understand. Okay, no problem. So just go on LinkedIn. It's Daryl Prail. So Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L, Prail, P like Peter, R-A-I-L-L. -L. Just like that. All right, Daryl Prail. You can get me on Twitter. I'm uh, My handle is Opinionated, spelled funky, O-H. P-I-N-I-O-N, the number eight T-E-D, because, hey, you got to have an opinion. And beyond that, DarylPrail.com. But more than anything, just go to VanillaSoft.com. All my contact deets are right Fantastic. there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining today, Daryl. I'm your host, Roan Morgan. And as always, uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn at R-H-O-A-N Morgan. Now, back over to you, Paul, in the studio. You've been listening to another group of Revenue Rebels right here in the Funnel Radio Network. For at-work listeners like you, 